You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Warning. This podcast contains explicit language and details acts of violence. Listener discretion is advised. The Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department is currently run by a guy named Alex Villanueva. The overwhelming majority of deputy-involved shootings, officer-involved shootings nationwide are justified. Remember, the LA Metro Board and the Board of Supervisors and City Council are one and the same. This sentence is just really summarizes the entire problem with this woke political establishment who happens to have the reins of county and city government right now. You know, I'm, I'm a lifelong Democrat, but what I'm looking at now is a shambles of a party that's a party of excuses, of nepotism, cronyism, of, I guess we should call it a white privilege, but it's not a party that represents the interests of the Latino community. Sir, why don't you arrest the clown Newsom? Well, no, we don't arrest anybody that has not committed a crime. Now, voters can hold people accountable if they don't do their job. That's a, very different. Villanueva is known for voicing support for violence, threatening journalists like me, and degrading the victims and families of police violence. He's been accused of being racist and met with white supremacists. He's brought back deputies fired for misconduct and promoted deputy gang members to senior leadership. He's used his office to carry out his own political agenda and use the criminal justice system to go after his enemies while defying subpoenas. He's up for re-election next week and somehow, despite all of this, finished first in the primary. LA is not safe! This is a tradition of violence, a history of deputy gangs inside the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. To understand what's at stake in this upcoming election, it's important to look into Alex Villanueva's story. Villanueva isn't from Los Angeles. He was born in Chicago and grew up in upstate New York. His mother, Marianne, was the daughter of Polish immigrants, and his father, Victor, was born and raised in Puerto Rico. The Villanuevas and their six children moved to Agadilla, Puerto Rico, when Alex was still a kid. He graduated from high school there, then joined the Air Force. He ended up in Southern California in 1983 when he was assigned to the Norton Air Force Base in San Bernardino which is now closed. He left in 1986 and joined the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. After finishing in the academy, Villanueva was assigned to the Inmate Reception Center, or IRC, at the Pitches Detention Center. Everyone coming into the jail goes through IRC to be processed. While Villanueva was working there, he filed a lawsuit that made a huge impact on how the county jails were run. Randall Higgins, a retired deputy I met with a few weeks ago, was working at the same jail facility when Villanueva filed his lawsuit. The air conditioning system at Max was broken. 
So when I was working at dorm, I'd go up and sit at the desk and you'd be looking through the bars into a dormitory, 130, 135 bunks in there. And everybody would light up a cigarette. So the smoke, you could see it build up and it would start at the top and it would work its way down and fill up the room. Randall realized this combination of the broken AC and cigarette smoke created an unsafe working condition, so he decided to speak up. He filled in an anonymous union survey. A few days passed before a sergeant approached him about it. A sergeant came to me and said, hey, so do you really care about smoking in the dorm? And I'm like, oh, why would you ask? And he said, well, we got your survey here. And I said, well, I didn't put my name on it. I'm curious how you associated that with me. Remember, the survey was anonymous. And he said, well, there's only like two guys that turned these in. And we recognize your handwriting from the anonymous survey. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I mean, I didn't care. I was happy to talk about it, but it was just a weird experience. He said, well, we're not going to do anything about this. But even though the department was going to ignore Randall's complaint about the smoking hazard, they would be listening to someone else. So then he says, well, you know Villanueva? And I said, no. And he says, oh, he works over at South. He filed a lawsuit and we're gonna settle that lawsuit and ban smoking in the jails. And I said, oh, well, I'm all for that. Let's do it. A couple of weeks later, Randall was talking to someone else when Villanueva's name came up again. He said, yeah, I heard you talking about Villanueva the other day. I said, yeah, I guess he's got a lawsuit going. And the guy said, yeah, I know him. We went to the academy together. He's got like a mentor who recommended to him that he file a lawsuit about something. And I said, well, smoking, is that a big deal? And he said, it didn't matter. It was just file a lawsuit for anything. And smoking seemed to be something that a lawsuit could be filed over. And so his mentor told him that if he filed a lawsuit, that he would have leverage for the rest of his career. He would always be known as the guy who won a lawsuit because it was almost inevitable that he would win the lawsuit. And he would have leverage in every position. Supervisors would steer clear of him because he was the guy who filed the lawsuit and they knew that he could use the system to his advantage. And it appears that that's exactly what happened how did the banning of cigarettes um, impact operations at the jail? Inmates were pissed. When that order came through, inmates were mad. There was more fights. There was just general chaos for a while. And it was bad. Villanueva transferred to the East Los Angeles station after four years at IRC. The East Los Angeles station was the birthplace of the department's earliest known deputy gang, the Little Red Devils. In the early 1990s, during Villanueva's time, a new gang was rising in popularity, the Cavemen. In 1991, East LA station captain Ramon Sanchez told the Los Angeles Times that the name of the gang came from a bare-bones room in the men's locker area with a bunk bed in it called the Cave. The room was used by male deputies who worked night shifts to rest before going to testify in court later in the day. Sanchez described the gang as being made up of a, quote, mixture of whites and Hispanics and blacks who spent their time together outside of work or engaged in department sports competitions. Members shared a tattoo of a Neanderthal-like character. Some had flies buzzing around their head, representing each incident of violence against a civilian. It's unclear if any of the deputies with tattoos were disciplined. The gang appeared to be celebrated within the station. According to a report from the Center for Juvenile Law and Policy, the station had a large mural of a caveman in one of the conference rooms. It's not surprising under Sheriff Timothy Murakami, number two for the entire department, has denied affiliation with the cavemen, but he is known to have a tattoo. Sheriff Villanueva made a bizarre statement about working at East LA during a March 12, 2019 Board of Supervisors meeting. 
I was in the generation where we're called the cavemen. During his time at the East L.A. station, Villanueva worked as a patrol deputy, field training officer, and was part of the first community policing team assigned to the Maravilla housing development. But he always aspired to have more power. In 1992, at age 29, he ran for city council in San Dimas and lost by 44 votes. Two years later, he ran for sheriff for the first time on a platform of, quote, improving deputy morale. Villanueva also attended Cal State LA around this time and worked on a narcotics team during an internship. According to his wife Vivian, they met during an undercover surveillance mission when Alex pulled up in a marked patrol car wearing thick bifocal glasses. She told the LA Times she remembered thinking, quote, he's going to ruin it for us. Three years later, the two of them got married. She also told the paper, quote, I even had people who would not want to be near me because they thought Alex was a black cloud. Villanueva did connect with at least one other colleague at East L.A., Danny Batanero, one of the alleged founders of the Banditos deputy gang. Batanero, who also goes by Batman, told the LAist that Villanueva wasn't one of the department's hard chargers or known for hanging out after work and going out for drinks. Batanero said Villanueva, quote, kind of did his own thing. He left East LA in 1997 and transferred to the training bureau as an academy staff instructor. When Lee Baca ran for sheriff against incumbent Sheriff Block in 1998, the deputy union, the Association for Los Angeles Deputy Sheriffs, or ALADS, endorsed Block, despite the fact that three-quarters of membership advocated for someone new to be top cop. LASD Captain Matt Rodriguez and his friend, Alex Villanueva, raised the issue with union leadership and were eventually suspended. The two of them started their own guild, the Los Angeles Sheriff's Professional Association, which is still around today. Years later, Rodriguez was disciplined for allegedly cheating on a relay race and retired. This year, he ran for sheriff against Alex Villanueva. In 2000, Villanueva was promoted to the rank of sergeant, which is right above entry level of deputy. He worked at the Lenox station overseeing deputies in the field and as a watch commander supervising shifts. He also worked at the Carson station and the community college bureau. While working at the Lenox station, Alex Villanueva got into trouble for interfering with a field trip planned by two deputies doing community outreach. Here is Lieutenant Cedra Sherrod Strong. I took a group of kids to Florida. There was a youth program that we were with. We get there, and I remember Eric having a conversation with the national director, and they were able to tell us that, hey, you know, a sergeant called and said you weren't participating. So he actually let us fly all the way to Florida with children and vindictively called ahead and canceled the trip. Villanueva was transferred, but before he left, Lieutenant Sherrod Strong overheard him making a racist comment. I could hear him on the telephone. His office was kind of across the aisle and maybe a door down from where I was standing at the copier. And he said, and this is a paraphrase, I don't remember the exact statements, but it was like, she's black. How could they think she's smarter than me? And I'm just frozen. Villanueva has acknowledged that he was suspended for five days while working at Lenox. It's unclear if the suspension was related to what Lieutenant Sherrod Strong overheard or another incident. He was suspended again for 10 days in the early 2000s for allegedly waiting to report derogatory statements made by another employee. By 2007, Villanueva had returned to the training bureau as the team sergeant of the Advanced Officer Training Unit, which does in-house training for department members after the academy. Later, he became Training Bureau's operations sergeant. Villanueva was promoted again in 2011 to the rank of lieutenant. He started working at the Century Regional Detention Center, the Central Women's Jail in L.A. County. In January of 2012, a black custody assistant named Dwayne Perry was working with Villanueva at the facility. 
After Villanueva ran a drill with Duane's unit, he says he was approached by two other employees who told him Villanueva called him a, quote, knuckle-dragger, a racial slur. Duane decided not to report it, since he didn't hear the comment himself. But just a few days later, on January 28, 2012, Villanueva called him by the slur again, this time in front of a group of people. One deputy was so upset, she filed an internal complaint. Duane says he was never contacted for the investigation, and one of his attorneys told the Los Angeles Times that the department found no misconduct had occurred. Duane sued the county and was awarded $10,000 in a settlement. Villanueva continued to work at the jail as a watch commander through 2014 when he transferred to the Pico Rivera Sheriff's Station. In 2018, in his mid-50s, he retired. But even though he left the department, Villanueva still had his eyes on his dream job. Sheriff of Los Angeles County. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount+, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash TheShot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. The Grim Reaper's deputy gang was running rampant through the streets of the Lenox area in the early 1990s, and its members made their way into choice positions within the department in the early 2010s, despite records of policy violations, excessive force, and domestic violence. Data suggests 40% of families of police officers are affected by domestic violence. One alleged deputy gang member managed to cozy up to Sheriff Alex Villanueva despite documented incidents of domestic violence. In 2014, Alex Villanueva was campaigning for a city council seat in La Habra Heights, and he lost. Around this time, Deputy Karen Mendoyan, who goes by Carl, was working at the South Los Angeles station. He was in a nearly year-long relationship with his former trainee, from the city of West Hollywood substation. She remains unidentified for her safety. The woman alleged that Mandoyan repeatedly attempted to control who she spoke to throughout their relationship. She says that he told her not to attend mandatory meetings at work and even stole keys from her patrol vehicle and left her stranded in a parking lot while on duty. He allegedly followed her home and refused to leave when she attempted to break up with him. If she didn't answer his phone calls, Mendoyan logged into her home security system to watch what she was doing and listen to her conversations. She said she felt trapped because he was a self-admitted Grim Reaper. Mendoyan called her things like a, quote, fucking disrespectful cunt, and told her, quote, you deserve what you got coming, and this is what happens to fucking disrespectful bitches. You'll see. Just about one year into dating, in September 2014, Mendoyan met the woman and her friend at a bar in El Segundo, California. She says things got awkward when he showed up, and the three of them headed back to her house. Once her friend left, 
She says Mendoyan ripped her jeans and strangled her, which left marks around her neck. She was able to get away and lock herself in the bathroom, but Mendoyan chased her and allegedly kicked the door so hard he left a gaping hole. She says when she asked him to leave, he did, but took her cell phone with him. Despite the photo and physical evidence, Mendoyan claims nothing physical happened between him and the woman that night, and that a cat toy caused the damage to the door. The two of them ended their romantic relationship in December 2014, but remained in contact. Mandoyan continued to harass her. Things escalated on December 27th of 2014, when he attempted to break into her home. Yeah. I'm going to. On the video, Mendoyan can be seen crouching at the foot of the woman's sliding glass door and using a metal object to manipulate it. She also reported that Mendoyan tried to break into her home just a few weeks later, during the early morning of January 26, 2015. She recorded him in her dark bathroom as he opened a window near her shower. Get the fuck out of my house. Get the fuck out, Karin. Get the fuck out. Get out. Stop, dude. She later testified that Mendoyan threw toiletry items on the windowsill at her during this interaction. She said she didn't end up calling the police because she didn't want to get them involved or have Mendoyan lose his job. Afterwards, she received threatening, anonymous text messages she believed were from Mandoyan. She says that she met with him around June 21st, 2015, at her apartment to ask him to stop texting her. Later, one of her friends told her that Mandoyan was following her. She reported this behavior to her supervisor, who filed a report with the LASD. The anonymous texts stopped. The department found that Mendoyan had potentially committed criminal acts and he was relieved of duty on July 10th, 2015. A few days later, the woman took out a temporary restraining order against Mendoyan and made a report. A mutual stay-away order was executed. The El Segundo Police Department presented a case to Los Angeles District Attorney Jackie Lacey's office, who declined to file. Mendoyan was discharged from the LASD September 14, 2016. He appealed the decision to the Civil Service Commission about a week later. The agency has a history of overturning deputy dismissals, but it held firm on Mandoyan. The hearing officer wrote a 29-page report upholding the decision in January 2018. Mandoyan remained involved in department activities despite being fired. He started working on a political campaign for a new guy running for sheriff, Alex Villanueva. Villanueva ran as a progressive Democrat, but behind the scenes, he was working with a lot of other alleged Grim Reapers. Villanueva was embraced immediately by then-state Senator Kevin De Leon. De Leon was recently exposed by my colleague John Peltz at Knock LA for making racist, homophobic, and otherwise bigoted comments in an hour-long conversation with two other sitting members of the Los Angeles City Council. With De Leon's help, Villanueva secured the endorsements of the Los Angeles County Democratic Party, several local Democratic clubs, and the Coalition for Humane Immigrant Rights, or CHIRLA, whose volunteers helped out on his campaign. Unlike incumbent Sheriff Jim McDonnell, a Republican, Villanueva campaigned in Spanish, too. He gave interviews and fluent Spanish with local outlets and picked up the endorsement of La Opinión and OI. He also snagged the endorsement of the Association of Los Angeles County Sheriff's Deputies, the union he'd previously been suspended from. Two years into the Trump administration, most L.A. County residents were ready to ride the blue wave and Villanueva's campaign was leaning into that. Javier Gonzalez, a longtime L.A. political consultant who worked on both Villanueva's campaigns, 
told the Los Angeles Times, quote, We owe a lot of this to Trump. Where did Democrats in L.A. County have to go to express their displeasure with Trump? All we had to do was make McDonald a Republican and Alex a Democrat. But even though Villanueva campaigned as a progressive Democrat, his political stances were much more authoritarian. Villanueva made a distinction between himself and Republican incumbent Sheriff Jim McDonnell over recently passed Senate Bill 54, written by Kevin DeLeon, which prohibited policing agencies in California from cooperating with federal immigration authorities. McDonnell questioned it, while Villanueva promised he wouldn't let U.S. immigration and customs enforcement agents use office space inside of L.A. County's jails. But he did tell the Boyle Heights beat that, quote, we'll transfer them, meaning undocumented people, to the custody of ICE. In an interview with the LAist, Villanueva said that one of his first moves as sheriff would be removing the two constitutional policing advisors who work with the department brass on policies like use of force and discipline for misconduct. He said that hiring them was a, quote, dog and pony show, and that he would use the money to create a, quote, truth and reconciliation panel that would review deputy terminations. Villanueva was open about his disdain for oversight. Each police department is supposed to track officers that have engaged in misconduct and make that information available to attorneys. That's called a Brady list, and Villanueva called it a, quote, fake list. He also came out loudly against then-Sheriff McDonald's intent to get rid of deputy gang logos and tattoos. During his campaign, Villanueva said that forcing deputies to get rid of tattoos undermines their morale and that he intended to bring back individual stations' logos that McDonald had banned. At that point, he already had three alleged deputy gang members working for his campaign, Karen Mendoyan, Larry Del Mise, and Eli Vera. On November 16, 2018, 10 days after the general election, Alex Villanueva declared victory in the race for sheriff of Los Angeles County. I just want to give a, a, an update. We looked at the numbers. We looked at the difference of the absentee ballots, the provisional ballots, and our performance in the last batch of votes that were counted. And I'm going to declare this race is over. We won. Yeah. A lot of work we need to do to do an effective transfer, responsible transfer from one sheriff to the next sheriff. And that can't happen with a cliffhanger going on needlessly when the numbers are already there. So we won. Thank you. It was the first time in over a century an incumbent sheriff had lost an election. But before he was sworn in, Alex Villanueva and his campaign staff got to work. Villanueva also began a practice of promoting his supporters inside the department by several ranks, something that is highly unusual and generally not done. Lieutenant Luana Hasselrig, who worked with Villanueva in the training academy, jumped four ranks to become one of four assistant sheriffs. Captain Timothy Murakami was promoted three ranks to be another assistant sheriff in charge of street patrols in unincorporated L.A. County and 44 contract cities. Karen Mendoyan's domestic violence case was making its way through the system through 2018, and he stayed involved in department happenings by working on the future sheriff's campaign. His parents even donated to Villanueva's efforts. Ten days after Villanueva declared victory, his incoming chief of staff, Larry Del Mise, one of the alleged founding members of the Grim Reapers, made a call to the chief of the department's professional standards and training division, Alicia Alt. The call was the subject of a recent hearing on deputy gangs. Here's counsel Bill Foreman questioning Larry Del Mise. Well, put it in your words. What were you asked to do with respect to Karen Mandoyan? I was asked to contact Alicia Alt, the then chief of professional standards and let her know that I had been given a settlement agreement and I would be emailing that to her. That was all at the request of Alex Villanueva. Uh, you knew him, correct? I did. Okay. How did you know him? He worked West Hollywood Station when I was a lieutenant there. And he's a grim reaper, right? 
I have read that, yes. Uh, did you uh, telephone or talk to um, Alicia Alt about his dismissal in 2016? I read a statement by her that I did, and that may have only been to find out the status of his case. I don't recall making that call. What business was the status of his case to you? Personal knowledge. Personal knowledge of what? To see if uh, he was going to be terminated or just get days off. Why did you care? I don't recall. Were you trying to help out a fellow Reaper? No, not that I recall. Alicia Alt testified that Delmise called her about Mandoyan twice in November of 2018, with an agreement to reinstate him as a deputy at Villanueva's request before he was sworn in as sheriff. When she balked, he threatened her. In his testimony, Delmise says he doesn't remember that conversation. And uh, how many conversations did you have with Alicia Alt about the Mandoyan issue? Just that one that I recall. Just one that you recall. Uh, you know that she recalls two conversations, right? I don't know. I don't recall. Well, you, she was deposed. Chief Alt was deposed on May 23rd, 2019, in connection with a lawsuit about the reinstatement of Mandoyan. And you attended as the client representative of the sheriff. So you sat there through her testimony. You recall sitting there through that? That's correct. She talks about two conversations with you in the settlement time period, in the transition time period. Do you recall that I testimony? Re I don't recall that. Well, you were sitting there and you heard this testimony. Do you recall Chief Alt testifying at her deposition that you telephoned her in her office on November 26, 2018? And just about the first thing you said to her was that you were looking at a picture of her on the organization chart for the department. And she asked you if it was a newer photo, meaning were you planning a new position for her, and you didn't answer. Do you recall her testimony on that? I recall the testimony on that. I don't recall the conversation. And I didn't have an uh, org chart with pictures on it, so I was a little confused by all that. Is it your best recollection you had an org chart during the transition period? It is my best recollection I did have one, and I did not have pictures. So do you deny that you began your conversation with Chief Walt by saying that you're looking at the sheriff's org chart? I don't recall that at all. Well, let's look at Exhibit 1, which you would have seen before because it was an exhibit at her deposition. Hmm. She testified these were her notes that she made on November 26, 2018, when you called her in her office, and she's written your name at the top. Do you see that, Delmise? Mm hmm And the first thing she's written there is looking at photo of me on org chart, newer photo. photo. Do you see that? I see that. And she testified that's she wrote down what you said to her. She testified she wrote it down that day. Do you have reason to think she's lying about that? I don't recall that. Do you have reason to think she's lying about that? I can't make that decision. I don't recall it. Well, do you think that Chief Alt fabricated these notes? I don't know. Jesus. Assuming uh, that Chief Alt's contemporaneous notes are accurate, you understand how that statement could be perceived as intimidating as high-ranking officials are being demoted on the org chart, that you're looking at the org chart. I could see that. But she forgot to mention in her testimony that she followed up with a question, is this quid pro quo? And I told her, absolutely not. Okay. She testified that you did, that it had to be done immediately. Was she telling the truth when she said that? I don't know if she was telling the truth or not. I don't recall it. She testified they wanted it done while McDonald was in office. They did not want it to be done on Monday when it would have been easier, as I had suggested. And I was told emphatically by Delmise, it has to be done by Friday. Do you de deny saying that to her? I don't recall saying that to her. Well, it was in fact written in the settlement agreement that you sent to her, wasn't it? I don't know. Alicia Alt ended up resigning over the request to rehire Mandoyan. 
Ten days after Villanueva was sworn in, a memo to establish a so-called Truth and Reconciliation Panel was sent out to Department Brass, and on December 21, 2018, the panel met to review the Mandoyan case. The case was reviewed by then-assistant and tattooed caveman under Sheriff Timothy Murakami, Chief Eli Vera, an alleged Grim Reaper who worked with Villanueva at Lennox, and Chief Stephen Gross. Their report found that Mandoyan received excessive discipline, and a week later, Mandoyan was a deputy sheriff again. He was also awarded back pay accrued since his discharge. The reinstatement was later ruled unlawful by L.A. County Superior Court Judge Mitchell L. Beckloff, and Mandoyan was removed again. Villanueva's swearing-in was held at East Los Angeles College on December 3, 2018. It recently came up at a special hearing on deputy gangs held by the department's Civilian Oversight Commission. This is lead counsel Bert Dykesler questioning retired division chief Matthew Burson about the event. Did you become aware that Alex Villanueva regarded East L.A. as his uh, home station? Yes, very obvious, yes. Do you remember when Alex Villanueva got sworn in as the sheriff? Uh, December 3rd, 2018. And when he was sworn in as the sheriff, did you observe whether he had singled out any group for special attention? <laughs> yes. And, and, and would you share with the commission what you observed on December the 3rd of 2018 when Sheriff Villanueva was sworn in? Yes, a number of us um, executives, captain and above, attended the uh, inauguration of uh, Mr. Villanueva being sworn at East L.A. College. And we noticed that there was a section towards the front that was roped off, a large section. And prior to the inauguration uh, commencing, uh, we noticed East L.A. station deputies marching in and sitting in those specific seats. Some of those deputies were alleged to be part of a new deputy gang. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash TheShot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Alex Villanueva campaigned as a progressive Bernie Sanders-supporting Democrat. But as his term has gone on, he's more openly embraced right-wing extremists and white supremacists. Sean Beckner Carmichael is a freelance reporter who covers the connection between white supremacist organizations and policing agencies. He told me that Villanueva's media appearances illustrate his shift in political allegiance. There's this through line of a lot of sort of far-right luminaries really latching onto him. And it doesn't seem like he minds. And in fact, oftentimes, there's a welcoming embrace. He's appeared several times on Tucker Carlson. What is he talking about? Oftentimes, he's talking about things like the Gascon campaign. He's talking about, you know, sort of the, and again, I'm using air quotes, the violence in the streets. He's talking about BLM protesters being this, you know, swath of, 
insurrectionist horror or, you know, you know, kicking down old ladies in the streets, which I covered protests statistically just wasn't really a thing that was happening. Dennis Prager runs what can best be described as a fake YouTube university called PragerU. It is a sort of very highly produced series of videos. Most of them are between five and 12 minutes. And they range from explaining pretty basic conservative ideas to justifying manifest destiny. Sheriff Villanueva has attended at least one of Dennis Prager's events in person. He's also, you know, talking with Sebastian Gorka, which is even more concerning. You know, this is a guy who has ties with Hungarian nationalist movements. When you're talking about Hungarian nationalism, specifically, we're talking about an overtly uh, anti-Jewish, an overtly anti-minority, an overtly anti-immigrant philosophy. We're talking about a group that has no problem utilizing Nazi symbols. I've come face to face with some of these people. Most recently, at a sheriff's candidate forum, I moderated. Sean was there. You know, I think about the time you moderated a sheriff's forum in Palmdale, and we saw a Proud Boy associate along with several others who had pretty concerning shirts and hats putting up Villanueva literature outside the forum, despite him refusing to go to the forum. Sean also reported on Villanueva attending a meeting of the Council for National Policy, a shadowy right-wing ideology funding organization. They have a lot to do with uh, whatever, when this comes out, whatever right-wing talking point is really, really big. Uh, there's a very good chance uh, that it was discussed in the Council for National Policy meeting a few months ago. They're very good at uh, getting the word out, and they also have some pretty concerning ties with uh, anti-trans groups, um, with anti-abortion groups, with whatever uh, right-wing thought you can think of. About a year ago, they had a meeting that Sheriff Alex Villanueva was at. What was happening at that meeting? Well, there was a, a person who is still anonymous, and I would like to keep it that way, who provided some audio uh, from the meeting. There may have been some sort of off-the-record chats afterwards, but we heard quite a bit of efforts to get trans children out of schools you know, a lot of uh, what I would define as hate speech towards transgender youth. We heard quite a bit of uh, movement towards, again, this law and order idea. There was a sort of meet your candidates forum at one point. Is that legal to do campaign events in uniform? You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I, I always say in uniform because uh, no, no, it's not legal to do anything political while in uniform. I don't think anyone would know Sheriff Villanueva showed up at the Council for National Policy had Sean Foyt not specifically broken their rules and taken a selfie with Sheriff Villanueva, sort of glowing endorsement. Both are big smiles. It's concerning. He is an avowed Christian nationalist. Another word for that is Nazi. Villanueva asked Elsa Aldeguer, a far-right agitator who is not a resident of South L.A., to speak at a press conference about deputies shooting and killing Dijon Kazee, a black cyclist, in August of 2020. Villanueva has also been linked to Sarah Stevens, who's tied to hate groups like Lexit and the Proud Boys. Stevens has been seen in photos with Villanueva, at campaign events, and even boasts that her food giveaway events are, quote, endorsed by him. Stevens was the getaway driver for a man who hit a filmmaker and a journalist in the head with a baseball bat at a protest in plain sight of police, who did nothing. Villanueva has been involved in several other scandals since taking office. Nine months into Villanueva's term, the Sheriff's Department opened an investigation into Inspector General Max Huntsman, for improper access to files, even though it's Huntsman's job to monitor the department. The investigation was opened one month after the Inspector General published a detailed analysis of the Mandoyan case. In January of 2020, 
Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and several family friends were killed in a helicopter crash in the hills of Calabasas, California. Eight deputies who responded took pictures of the accident site and shared the photos. When Villanueva heard about it, he ordered deputies to delete the photos, potentially destroying evidence for any future investigations into the conduct. That's also potentially a crime. Here's what Villanueva told NBC's Eric Leonard about the incident. That was my number one priority, to make sure those photos no longer exist. The Bryant family eventually won a lawsuit against L.A. County for the sharing of the photos. Kobe's wife, Vanessa, was awarded $16 million, and co-complainant Chris Chester, whose wife and daughter were killed, was also awarded $15 million. When the COVID-19 pandemic threw most of the world into quarantine, Villanueva went after L.A. County CEO Sachi Hamai. When the County Board of Supervisors removed Villanueva as the head of the county's emergency operations center, he went after Hamai. He accused her of committing a felony and falsely accused her of not paying first responders' salaries while they were quarantined, which led to threats. She chose to retire early with a $1.5 million settlement, along with full-time security all paid for by taxpayers. While the world cried out in protest in response to the murder of George Floyd, Sheriff Villanueva went after L.A. County Supervisor Hilda Solis. Solis spoke out against police brutality, and Villanueva called her a Spanish-language term to demean a woman as a sellout. I don't know. Are you trying to earn the title of La Malinche? Is that what it is? After my 15-part series on deputy gangs was published by Knock LA in March of 2021, Villanueva started to harass me. Here's his response to my series given at a press conference. Some of the information you published appears to be defamatory, and uh, we've recommended individuals impact as they seek their own legal advice on how to proceed with that. When it comes to hard facts, I just don't see it. You're trying to sell titles with these fancy uh, accusatory titles are provocative, but you don't have the facts to support them. So if you want to call it investigative journalism, um, well, again, you have the right to call it whatever you want. And during one of his live streams. Uh, Somebody says they have a database of alleged members. Well, if you want to call someone a gang member, um, if this is a knock LA person, well, I hope you have an attorney. Because there is libel, there is slander, and uh, so just bear in mind that for your own good. I was briefly detained at a press conference held by Villanueva a few weeks later. Then the sheriff's department began to monitor my social media for, quote, potential doxing purposes. Villanueva also went after my colleagues at Knock LA, insinuating we run an illegitimate news site. Excuse me, did you did you talk to the mayor's office about a mass detention plan before July 4th with uh, custody beds? I'm going to speak to legitimate news sources. Excuse me? Watching. I'm a legitimate news source. I've been... That June, the L.A. County Democratic Party, who endorsed Villanueva in 2018, passed a motion calling on him to resign, with 91% of members voting in favor. Just a few weeks later, Villanueva threatened the now all-women Board of Supervisors during a live stream. We need to encourage the city council, the board of supervisors to do their job. But sometimes they just need to be (laughs) taken to the shed and they need to be beat down. So they start doing their job. Eli Vera, one of the alleged Grim Reapers who worked on Villanueva's campaign, got to skip a rank when Villanueva took office. But in April of 2021, he broke with the sheriff and announced his own campaign for sheriff. Villanueva demoted him a few months later. Kate Cagle is a reporter and anchor for Spectrum News One. She was one of the local reporters who covered this story along with me. One of the things we've learned is when you have an elected sheriff, everything inside the department becomes political. And this is not unique to Alex Villanueva. This was an issue under Sheriff Lee Baca. There were scandals involving whether or not people in the department were supporting his reelection campaign or challengers. And that was the same thing that we saw when Eli Vera decided to run against Sheriff Alex Villanueva. Vera says he was immediately demoted and retaliated against. Villanueva said, yeah, you're running against me politically. I'm not going to have you sitting at the table anymore when I'm making 
big decisions, the structure of the sheriff's department itself and the fact that a lot of promotions really rely on your relationship. The department has also released documents relating to Villanueva's perceived political enemies. The day after I requested documents on a candidate challenging Villanueva for sheriff, they were made available online. The department is notoriously unresponsive to requests for public information and has been sued several times for it, so that disclosure was unusual. In September of 2021, Los Angeles Times reporter Eileen Chikmedian reported that the sheriff had created a special team called the Civil Rights and Public Integrity Detail. The unit is made up of a team of nine investigators and reports to one of Villanueva's top aides. Its primary responsibility? Looking into the sheriff's political enemies, like the inspector general, county supervisors, and members of the Civilian Oversight Commission. That month, the unit opened an investigation into County Supervisor Sheila Kuehl and Department Oversight Commissioner Patty Giggins. L.A. County District Attorney George Gascon wanted nothing to do with it. Here's Kate again. In fact, D.A. George Gascon told the L.A. Times he didn't want anything to do with this unit, that he saw very clearly it was built to focus on investigations that involved Villanueva's political enemies. While Villanueva was directing the department to investigate his political enemies, his campaign manager threatened to post my address on Twitter. Earlier this year, Knock LA reported that the LA County Sheriff's Department was overcharging contract cities for policing services. In West Hollywood, a single deputy now costs city taxpayers $358,000 per year. Of 249 phone thefts in 2021, which were the majority of crimes reported in the city, deputies only solved two cases. The city of Compton sued the department over allegations of deputies falsifying patrol logs, essentially saying they were out in their cars when they were not. Here's Kate Cagle. This deputy said that they had seen the deputies were overcharging Compton, that basically they were billing the city for time that should be on the county's dime. But what we learned is that contract cities sign these boilerplate contracts with the sheriff's department that actually give them very little oversight into how the station is run. Once they got this claim, it was very difficult to prove or disprove what the deputy was alleging without the cooperation of the sheriff's department which the sheriff's department will always say, oh, we're investigating. We'll let you know what we find out. A few months later, Sheriff Villanueva hosted a radio program smearing my reporting. We have three, we call them studies. One is from a local uh, person who definitely uh, has an axe to grind against the sheriff's department. And that's one Cerise Castle from Nakale. Doesn't speak very highly of her investigative skills. This show later became the subject of several FCC complaints filed by candidates for sheriff and hasn't aired since March. Since then, Villanueva has said he is investigating Eileen Chekmedian at the LA Times. A few days after this show, the Oversight Commission announced the first-ever investigation into deputy gangs and cited my reporting. Villanueva, meanwhile, was allegedly in the midst of another cover-up. Here's Kate Cagle. Video leaked of a deputy kneeling on the head of a handcuffed inmate. The deputy Johnson, who was kneeling in the video, was also embroiled in the photo sharing scandal. The photos of the Kobe Bryant helicopter crash site. I think to a lot of us who covered the department, it showed this inability to deal with problematic deputies and how it led to more scandals instead of actually holding people accountable the first time that something went wrong. Several department members have come out saying they told Sheriff Villanueva about the incident, and he wanted it buried. Whistleblower deputies, high-ranking deputies, I mean, we're talking about captains, accusing the sheriff of essentially seeing the video, saying that it didn't look good, and then making an effort to bury the video. Villanueva turned it around and actually blames the whistleblowers for burying the video because it would make them look bad. 
which is another difficulty of covering this department is you can't actually be in the room when these things are said. The cover-up related to the video of the kneeling is continuing to play out in civil court, and the sheriff is fighting court procedure. As of this recording, Sheriff Villanueva has not complied with six subpoenas issued by the Civilian Oversight Commission. Sean Kennedy, who is chair of the commission, says they are continuing to fight to make the sheriff comply, but it's been difficult. We have been trying to get Sheriff Villanueva um, under oath answering questions about deputy gangs for a very long time, and he has invented every excuse or reason in the book for not doing so and has used his county-funded lawyers um, uh, to help him, and he's been very successful at it. I hope that it is not possible and that they are just playing a delay game and that ultimately the commission will prevail. I don't know that we will. On September 1st, I broke the story of two deputies working in Sheriff Villanueva's office, Giselle Del Real and Carrie Robles Placentia, being fired for improperly issuing concealed carry weapons permits. Del Real and Robles Placentia gave the permits to donors to the sheriff's campaign, even to people with criminal records who are forbidden from carrying guns. Two weeks later, deputies with the L.A. County Sheriff's Department raided the homes and offices of County Supervisor Sheila Kuehl and Oversight Commissioner Patty Giggins. Kate Cagle was there at the scene. We saw dozens of deputies going into their homes. We're told that they seized 67 devices, including their cell phones, their computers, their flash drives. When you think of everything that you have on your phone, I mean, the most intimate details of your life are on your phone. So it was an unprecedented situation to see warrants like that served by the sheriff, because while there have been other corruption investigations in Los Angeles, they were all led by the U.S. Department of Justice and the FBI. This was the first time it was a local agency that was carrying out these kinds of warrants. And immediately the backlash began that the sheriff was doing this for political reasons. And I would point out, regardless of your opinion of Villanueva, whether you like him or not, I feel like you have to admit that the political aspect does undermine the investigation, especially when you see the morning of the search warrants, immediately a photo of Sheila Kuehl being escorted out of her house by deputies ends up on the sheriff's reelection campaign Instagram. So the optics there add doubt to the investigation, which was always you know, became my question, because if you're serving these sweeping warrants, you already know you don't have the backing of the district attorney. What is the point if you don't think you're actually going to be able to bring a criminal case? It does leave the question open that the optics were the point, that the searches were the point to embarrass Sheila Kuehl and Patty Giggins. Sheriff Alex Villanueva's fate will be decided next week at the polls. His legacy has already impacted the future L.A. County sheriffs that will come after him. Besides voting on whether or not to elect a new sheriff, people will also get the chance to decide if L.A. County should modify its charter to allow the Board of Supervisors to remove a sheriff by a four-fifths vote. Removal can happen for any violation of law, falsifying statements or documents, flagrant neglect of duties, a misappropriation of public funds or property, or obstructing investigations into the department. But Alex Villanueva wasn't the first sheriff to rise to the top of a corrupt empire with the help of deputy gang members. That's coming up next week. You've been listening to A Tradition of Violence, a history of deputy gangs in the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. Hosted and executive produced by Cerise Castle. Music by Yellow Hill and Steels. For breaking news and updates on deputy gangs, follow at LASD Gangs on social media. To support Cerise's reporting and for exclusive bonus content, subscribe to the LASD Gangs Patreon.
Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.